Hallelujah, everybody. Everybody say hallelujah. This um, 2024, this cold Sunday morning. Are y'all ready for the snow? <laughs> some people are, some people aren't. The kids are. I'm not. <laughs> I like it, but I'm supposed to go Nash- to Nashville on Tuesday with this new job. So pray for me. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but pray for me. But you know, in this two. 2024, whether it's snowing or hot or sunny or cold or raining or dreary or sleeting or whatever, Jesus' blood that was shed 2,000 years ago is still sufficient to save. Amen. It's still powerful to heal. It's still powerful to deliver the lost and sin-stricken heart this morning. Amen. Whatever happened 2,000 years ago is still sufficient today in this 2024. You know, and one day we'll be in heaven. Amen. One day will be the millennial reign and the new heavens and the new earth, and we won't have to worry about all this cold and all this weather and all this snow and whatever. It's going to be a perfect environment. Amen. There's going to be no sin. <laughs> There's going to be no sickness. Amen. We've uh, dealt with a lot of sickness the last couple of weeks. There's not going to be any of that. Amen. It's going to be a perfect world. Amen. And how many are ready for that this morning? Amen. And all we, our business, you know, I was thinking about that this morning. Jesus's first words that he spoke in the Bible, you know what they were? I must be about my father's business. That's the first recorded words of Jesus. And still, 2,000 years later, we must be about our father's business. Amen. Whether this uh, place is packed out or not, whether people are listen or not, accept Jesus or not, our business is to preach and to teach. You know, I was praying about that this morning. What else can I do, amen, to get lost sinners, amen, to get self-righteous religious people, amen, into heaven, amen, to get them to ask forgiveness for their sins and to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. What else can I do, amen? And I feel like the Holy Spirit said, all you can do is preach and teach the gospel and pray for them, and it's up to them, amen? It's up to you, amen, whether you accept or not, we're going to be about our Father's business. We're going to be preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether people listen and obey or not, we're going to do the Father's will this morning. Amen. Let's praise and worship Him. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this Sunday morning, God, right here in Athens, Tennessee. God, we pray, God, for this church service, Lord Jesus, that people listening, Lord God, that are bound by the devil, Lord God, bound by drugs, by crack cocaine, by prostitution, by homosexuality, by all types of uh, sexual sin, all types of promiscuity, all types of unrighteousness, Lord God, we pray for the lost sinners of the world, Lord God. We pray for those that are caught up in religion, and we know there's many, many, many that are just caught up in religion, Lord Jesus. We pray that you will break through to their hearts, that they will understand the true gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord God. You know, Jesus, when you were here on this earth, Lord God, you preached to the Pharisees, you preached to the 
prostitutes, you preach to the drunkards, you preach to the blind, the lame, the halt, the maimed. You preach to everybody, Lord Jesus. And some listened and obeyed and some did not, Lord God. But that's what our job is this morning. We will continue that 2,000 years later. We will continue preaching and singing and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for lost sinners to come in and accept you and be born again and come into the kingdom of heaven, Lord God. Please anoint this service powerfully this morning by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I made my decision to have a bigger vision of my heavenly bridegroom in the sky. So Satan, get behind me, cause one day you won't find me. I'll be gone, my eyes are on the prize. Satan came to me this morning without even a warning. He said, oh, I don't Why don't you just quit or compromise? 
I know that he is my best friend. I face my share of trials down here along the way, but I can almost see the lights. I'll soon be home to stay. I'm going on with Jesus just the same. I'm going on.
Since there's a, a few people that you ain't shouting, you ain't praising, you're not thanking God for what He's done in your life. And listen, I've always said this if you don't do it at home, if you don't do it driving down the road in the car, if you don't do it out there, it's going to be hard to do it in here. See, when you're practicing it out there, it's a whole lot easier to come in here and say, I'm going to shake off them heavy bands, and I'm going to lift up. And I'm not ashamed of Jesus, so they can laugh at me when I shout, because I know what I'm shouting about. Amen? If they're laughing at you, they don't have what you have. So you just go on and shout. And you just go on and praise God and don't worry about what they think about you. Come on. Just let Jesus be Jesus in your life. Amen. Unfold your arms. Lift your hands. Say, Lord, I thank you today. I'm saved by the blood. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not letting the devil, I'm not letting people, I'm not letting anybody hinder me from what God wants to do in my life. I didn't come here for people. I came here to be touched by the power of God, Lord, and help me to put my blinders on and shut everybody else out. And the per- I, who cares what the person next to me thinks? If I feel the Holy Ghost coming on, it's time to shout. It's time to run. It's time to cry. It's time to just let God have His way. Get break free from that spirit of religion and just let the Holy Ghost have his way. Amen. Don't worry about what Pharisees think. Pharisees can hinder you. Let the Lord have his way. Amen. Adam was all over it this morning. You're all over my message, brother. All over it. Praise the Lord. Don't let anybody hinder you from carrying out God's will. Amen. Everybody, Everybody's not on the straight and narrow. Everybody is not solid in what they believe or the, what they're supposed to believe. And that's the problem with too many Christians. They're wishy-washy. I believe it when I come to church, but come Monday, 
I don't know what I believe. I'm just having a nervous breakdown, and I don't know what to do about my problems, and I don't know what I'm going. And they're saying the wind's going to be high in a couple of days, <laughs> and snow is coming. Oh, my gosh, we better run. We better hide. We better, you know, and I, I understand some of that stuff. It can be serious, but today the least little thing happens, and Christians want to run and hide. Come on, y'all. We just want to shut everything down, shut everything off. It might do something. You can't go through life living like that. It might. I was kidding my wife the other day. She made a post on Facebook. She eventually took it off because everybody, as usual, missed the point. They closed school last week two days and missed it both times because they were predicting high wind. And, you know, we were talking about the days of, you know, when we went to school. I remember sitting in a classroom about 2, well, I don't know what time, maybe 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, watching snow out the window, big snowflakes hit the ground. I'm thinking, whoo, we're going home right now. And they waited, they waited, they waited. And we didn't go home till later on. They sent us home on buses. Everybody made it alive. We used to go to the gym and practice tornado drills. We practiced thunderstorm drills. And we were, we felt we were safer in the school than we were in a two bedroom mobile home. <laughs> but today, the least little thing, the threat of something. See, Christian, you can't live like that. And I, I'm not being uh, living in reality because if there's a serious danger, you should take it serious. But you just can't go through life thinking, what if? I guarantee you many of them women that made those nasty comments on her Facebook page, they'll find their way to Walmart. I bet you they'll find their way to the nail salon. I bet you they'll find their way to the tanning bed. I bet, come on, I bet you they'll find their way. No matter what the weatherman says. Are y'all here this morning? <laughs> But you just can't live off of what if. You gotta follow the Lord all the time. And look, you just take things as they come. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. Amen. That's all we're asking. And let me tell you, you won't live in fear. You won't be worried about the, what the wind's gonna do, what the rain's gonna do. You'll learn how to trust God no matter what comes your way. This is what the Lord wants for the church. He wants His children to be strong in the Lord that we don't let anything stop us from following Him and letting Him be Lord of our life. Amen. So it's good to see everybody this morning. We're glad. I know they're calling for snow tomorrow, rain. I asked Adam, I said, or freezing rain. I said, are the kids praying that it snows? He said, oh, yes, I bet you're praying that it don't. He said, yeah, I am. So <laughs> kids want it, but the parents don't really want it. But, you know, and there's nothing wrong with a little snow here and there. We all like to see the white stuff. I like to see it for just a little while, and then I like to see it go away. But praise the Lord. God is in control, so don't let the forecast Get a hold of you. Don't let what the world says. Don't let them be the ones that will dictate how you're going to live your life. Follow Jesus and trust him. Use common sense, and you'll be all right. Amen. We're going to take up the offering this morning. You know, the story came to my mind. I was thinking about taking up the offering. When I was thinking about taking up the offering, when the, the Pharisees and uh, some of the religious leaders had went into the temple, and they dropped in their offerings, whatever it was, and the Bible says a little widow woman walked in and walked up, and she dropped in just a, a little mite. And Jesus said, you see this woman here? This woman has put in more than every one of you because she, took, she, did, she, she didn't even really have it. She took what little she had, and she gave it with the right heart. 
And she gave more than every one of y'all. And she didn't do it for show. You guys like to parade around and you like to boast and, you know, uh, proclaim how great you are and how much you give and what you do for God. But see, she didn't say anything. She didn't tell anybody anything about what she gave. She just gave it with a sincere heart and God will bless her. He blessed her, I believe, and he will bless you. So give what you have. And you watch the Lord, he'll say, Hey, you put in just as much as you put in just as much as the person who put in a hundred dollars. If you put in ten, you still put in just as much if you did it with the right attitude and the right heart. So come this morning as we get ready to take up the offering. If you need prayer, we got look, there's people sick, the devil I mean, people have been getting hit with all kind of stuff. Sickness comes, sickness goes. Talked to my stepdad yesterday, he just turned ninety three yesterday. 93 years old, and he still goes out in the garage and works on cars when he's able to. He's, his mind is all there. You, he can, he just leaves me when you start talking about automotive stuff and mechanic stuff, and he, I, he, he goes off into another realm of stuff that I don't even, you know, he was, he grew up doing that, went, went to school, was a machinist, did all that work. Maybe I got a little bit of it from him. I learned how to work on stuff being around him, but, and he turned 93. He said, I've been sick for six weeks, on and off, said I was doing better, and I thought I was okay. And then all of a sudden, boom, here it come again. And I said, well, bro, I'm gonna, we're going to pray right now before I get off this phone. Boy, we got to pray, and I could feel the Holy Spirit. He was saying, thank you, Jesus. And he kept saying, thank you, thank you for calling. And so, you know what, people, you don't know what people are going through, but he's 93 years old, and he's still going. Boy, that gives us hope, don't it? 93 years old, and he's still going. Amen. My mother always said, he's going to outlive me. And she said, he'll probably reach 100. I was going to tell him yesterday, Roland, you might, you're getting closer to that 100 mark that Mama said you're going to hit, but he probably don't want to live to be 100. <laughs> but God is in control, so pray for people, those that are sick, those that are hurting. The Lord can touch them right where they are. You watching through the camera, the Lord can touch you no matter what you're going through. God can reach down. He can lay his hand on you. He can heal you. He can save you. He can deliver you. He can do whatever needs to be done. You just reach your hands up to heaven. Nobody has to lay a hand on you. God can lay his hand on you. So let's pray. If you need prayer, come to the front this morning for prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you this morning for the power of the blood. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I thank you this morning, God, that you would, that, that you are good. And I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for the things that you have done. And Lord, I believe that the best is yet to come. I believe that you're going to turn some things around. I believe you're going to bless your people. You're going to bless your church. You're going to move in this earth, Lord. You're going to save people. You're going to deliver people. You're going to draw backsliders back, Lord. You're going to refill them with the Holy Spirit and you're going to turn their lives around lord we thank you this morning we believe it we stand on it lord we ask you to touch every person that needs a touch this morning those lord who give this morning i pray that you bless them even if they don't have anything to give bless them and give them something to give in jesus name amen
tell you, I feel his sweet spirit in here this morning. Mm. Do you remember when he reached down for you? Amen. Do you remember when he got a hold of you? The song says, I was lost and undone. But, man, when Jesus showed up, I was found and made right. Amen. Praise the Lord. We need to start thanking him more for that. And that will help us to get through a lot of our issues, our troubles, and our trials. If we just start thanking him for what he's already done. Amen. we got to get back to what he's already done. Some people say, well, you need to go on beyond that. I say you're crazy if you think that. I say you need to remember where you come from. I say you better get back to the cross where it all started and stay there because that's where it starts and that's where it finishes. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. It starts with him. It ends with him. If you ever get away from him, you'll open yourself up to be a target for the devil. But good news, even if you have, if you'll come back to him, he can shut the devil off. Amen. He can shut. He can shut the devil off. Amen. God lets the devil have his way with us at times. If we get away from him, he lets him do things because he's trying to pull us back. He's not trying to destroy us, but if we don't heed, if we don't surrender, and we don't come to him, then the further we go, the worse we get, and that's a place that nobody wants to be in. You can backslide. Contrary to what a lot of your modern-day preachers say, you can backslide. Somebody says, well, no, if you do that, you never, you didn't never have it to begin with. You're wrong. Many people have had it to begin with. I've seen them, you've seen them, and you've seen them also lose their way. And we've seen things, and I, I, I hate it. I talked to a young man last night that used to come to this church for about three or four years. He used to work with me. Uh, I used to take him places, doing stuff, and, and we had the greatest time together, praising God. And every time he'd come to church, you could see the Spirit of God move on that boy. He was soaking it up. A young boy in his 30s, God was touching him. I hadn't seen him in 10 or 12 years. He found me on Facebook, and he sent me a message, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, I have thought about you over and over. So many times I tried to find you, and I couldn't. And the stories that he had to tell me in the 10 to 12 years that he left church, got away from God, how many times the devil's almost killed him, car wreck, he got stabbed by a family member who's demon-possessed, on drugs. And the things he was telling me, and I said, and he, but he admitted, he said, I know. He said, I mean, somebody needs to hear this. He said, you know, for a little bit, I thought I was okay. He thought, hey, everything's still going pretty good. And he knew he was getting away from God. And nothing bad had happened, you see. But the, it's the time's going to run out. And you're going to get confronted. God's going to let something happen. And it ain't funny. Because sin ain't funny. The devil ain't somebody you play with. I didn't laugh when he told me those things. I said, you know. And he said, I know. He said, I can't believe it. He said, I, I just got on Facebook recently. He said, I just wonder if Thomas is on here. And he said, I saw a picture, and I said, that's him. He said, I got to talk to him. And as we talked on the phone last night, he said, man, I can't, I can't believe it. He said, 
man, he said, just hearing your voice, he started crying. He said, hearing your voice and, and the thinking about the things that God used to do in me. And I remember the times I was in church, I, I was on fire. And, and he said, I got away from God and I thought everything would be okay for a while. It was okay. But you know, man, you can't believe the, the things that have happened. I said, the devil wanted to kill you. I said, but you know what? God didn't let him and you're still alive and you're still here because he can only go so far. He said, I need to, I'm going to tell you what he said, what some of y'all need to do. He said, I need to surrender my life, surrender fully, fully, surrender. And he said, I know God can turn things around. I said, yes, he can, son, and we're going to believe for God to do it. He says, I want to come back to church. He lives in Knoxville now. I said, I said, I'm going to be praying for you that God will. He said, I feel like a stranger in a foreign land up here. I don't even feel like I belong here. I said, we're going to pray that God will get you down to Athens, give you a place to live, get you back in church, give you a job, and set your soul on fire again and turn you around, put you in church, and see a whole lot more people just like you come back where they need to be. Amen. He said, I'm so far down right now. He said, I can't do anything. I said, God has you right where he wants you. He said, I have nowhere to turn to but the Lord. I said, there's your answer. But you know what, folks? I'm going to say this I get into the message. We don't have to go that route. You don't have to go through life like that as a Christian. If we would surrender all every day, I said every day. It can't be no weekly thing every day. And if you get out of God's will, you open yourself up to be a target for the devil, then he starts doing what he does, steals, kills, and destroys. But the way you shut him out is you come back to Jesus. You come back to your faith in what Jesus did. The Lord shuts the door on the enemy. And now you follow God's will, and everything you find yourself doing, you'll be blessed and not cursed. So pray for that young man, amen? Pray for him that God will touch him, restore him, get him down here, get him in church, and see his life turn around because he's still young. He's only 43 years old. I said, well, boy, you're still just a young thing. Got plenty of time. God can do a lot of stuff in you. But I thank God that I was able to, I said, you don't know how many times I thought about you. I tried to find you. I couldn't find you at all. And he said, well, I believe the Lord has appointed it now. Through this means to connect, reconnect. And I said, see, Facebook is good for something. Thank God it's good for something. Amen. That's the only reason I'm on it, really, to, to, to share the gospel and hope to try to get the attention of somebody who once knew me or somebody that don't know me or somebody that needs the truth, somebody that's struggling, somebody that needs to know what the Bible says. And there's not a whole lot of them, but there's a few of them. Amen. So thank God. This morning we're going to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, I have referenced this, I don't know how many times in the last month or so as I've been preaching, and I never intended on preaching it when I was saying it, but I felt like the Lord put this upon my heart this week to go to this chapter, and I don't know how much of it I'll get through, but as I begin to read this, and uh, the Spirit of God began to bring some things to my heart and mind, I, uh, I felt like that I should title this, the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible. You know, we have a lot of people in the church that talk about Jesus. They talk about how that, you know, the, the, their Jesus 
is just a Jesus who loves everybody. He's just a, a blesser. He just does great things for his children, and he, he loves everybody. He's not uh, judgmental. He doesn't get angry. He's always for you. He's never against you. And if you just do your best to read the Word and do religious things, well, he will be there with you. But you know what? That is not the Jesus of the Bible. It's not. I'm going to explain some things to you this morning about the real Jesus of the Bible. Some of you ain't going to like it, but it's the truth. Because, yes, Jesus does love us. If he didn't, we wouldn't be here. That young man I just spoke of, if he didn't love that young man, he wouldn't, he wouldn't still be alive. But he's all, he also knows himself that this Jesus is a Jesus that can judge. This Jesus is one who can pull his hand back and he can let negative things happen to us. And the, the Jesus of Matthew 23 is not the Jesus of most of the modern day church. He's not. Because the Jesus of Matthew 23 had a lot of negative things to say to some people. And listen, and he did it in the presence of everybody in attendance. He didn't, he didn't tone down his words. He didn't steer away from saying certain things because it might offend somebody or hurt somebody else's feelings. He plainly told the truth to people in the presence of everybody in attendance. You know what? Every preacher should be the same way. Every God-called preacher ought to be the same exact way. I've heard stuff from people down through the years. I've heard things said by people who come to the church at one time. There were times that I'd had to say things, have to make corrections with people that were getting out of hand, getting unruly. And sometimes, as much as I hated to do it, I'd have to say some things even while preaching, while we would have a visitor or two in in the church. And I could have easily said, well, you know, no, I, I, I better not say that because I don't want to run them off. Let me tell you something visitors need to know that the pastor stands for the truth too. Visitors need to know that there's a certain way that a church should run, that there is an order. And and you can't just come to church and do anything you want to do. That ain't how it works. And I had people tell me, you shouldn't, you should Amazing how people that don't know the Bible tell you what you should and shouldn't say. Amazing how people that's never stood behind a pulpit and never passed a church, they know how to tell you how to do everything. You shouldn't say that. We had visitors. You run them off and, and da, da, da. And I'm like, no, you just, you just, you're wrong. Sometimes things need to be said. And look, this is the way I see it. A visitor who's searching for the truth, they ain't going to run off and hide and get mad because the preacher says something or addressed something that needed to be addressed. I think, I think, to be honest with you, they would probably be more respectful of the pastor and say, you know what, I like this church. I like to hear somebody that stands up for the truth. So this is the Jesus of Matthew 23. Let's start reading it, verse 13. The Bible says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer you them who are entering in to go to go in. Woe unto you, 
scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayer. Therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourself. I'm going to stop right there because I can go on and on and on. You get the gist. You can read it later, whatever. I don't give. You can check it out. But this is not the only woes that he pronounced. There were others. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We ask you to move this morning. We ask you to touch us. We ask you to speak to us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of the word, your word. I thank you that you change not and we should change not. Lord, I thank you, God, for the power of your spirit. I thank you for boldness. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the people that are here today, Lord, the people that are watching through the Internet. And, Lord, I pray that you reach out to people today, God, that you pull them out of the fires of hell, that you pull people out of religion, that you pull them out of that which is, has no power, that is just destroying them, God. Lord, I pray that people would come today, that they would surrender, that they would let the Holy Ghost have his way, and that they would just open up, Lord, and let Jesus be Jesus in their heart and in their life. And, Lord, I pray that you take the wrong doctrine, the wrong ideas, the wrong things that, that we've listened to down through the years, that you would tear them down, you would take them out, you would get rid of them, Lord, and you would instill something better inside of us, and that, Lord, this house would be founded upon the rock and nothing else but the rock. Lord, we thank you today, we praise you, we love you, and we thank you for the good things that are coming, as I've been sensing lately that you are going to turn some things around. What the devil has meant for evil, you are going to turn it around, Lord, and I believe it, Lord. We believe it, and we stand on it, and we're believing for you to reach people today through that internet as many more, just like that young man that are out there that are away from you that you would draw them back to you. Let the power of your spirit convict their heart so strong that they cannot get away from it, Lord, but that they will surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I've already said that, you know, Jesus, the things that he said, he said in the presence of a lot of people. And the scripture backs it up. I'm going to read a little bit of it to set the stage for where I want to try to go this morning. It said that Jesus, he then spoke to the multitude and to his disciples. And that so that tells me, backs up basically what I've already stated, that what he said, he said it in the presence of everybody in attendance. And he didn't whisper it. They didn't have microphones back then. They didn't have PA systems. They didn't have sound systems, but they had voices. They had valleys, uh, hills. They had places where things that were said loud could echo out to where many people could hear what was being said. So I don't believe that Jesus just was uh, like a lot of your preachers. They just stood softly and calmly behind a pulpit and just whispered a few things and, you know, spoke real calm and everything. I believe that he lifted up his voice 
in order to in, in order for everybody to hear what he had to say, he would have had to have lift his voice. So today they would say, "Well, he's crazy. He's deranged. Why is he screaming? Why is he shouting? Why is he seen? Why is he so demonstrative? Because he was passionate about what he preached." And you know what? Every God-called preacher ought to be the same way. Everybody don't have to be exactly like, but they ought to be passionate about the Word of God. It said that he, he said all these things to the multitude and to his disciples. And he said this. He said, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now, you know, there were scribes and Pharisees in attendance. The very, some of the very people that he was speaking about, <laughs> I had a woman one time tell me, you should, you mean, you, you, you can't be preaching on a problem because somebody in the church is having that problem. <laughs> you shouldn't say anything about that. Are you serious? If that's the case, you're going to have to get rid of a lot of the New Testament. Because a lot of things that Paul wrote, he wrote it to people in the church. He said to people that were doing things they shouldn't have been doing. People that were experiencing things, going through hard times. Who do you think the word is for? It's for you. So this idea that you shouldn't say certain things because of, of, of whatever reason, that you gotta throw that stuff out. If it's the word, it's the word and it's good for everybody. <laughs> He said, the scribes and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. In other words, these men are supposed to be interpreters of the Word of God. They're supposed to understand the things that I gave to Moses, the Ten Commandments, the, the, the system that I set up, and all the commands that I gave to him. They are supposed to understand these things. They're supposed to properly interpret these things so that they can teach the people how to have a relationship with me. He said they sit in Moses' seat. He said everything that they bid you to observe and do. He said, you observe it and you do it. If you hear somebody preaching something that is right, that is biblical, it is correct, then what you do is you say, Lord, you help me to obey your word. But but here's what else he said. You need to also be cautious of listening to people just throwing stuff out. But on the other hand, they don't practice what they preach. They, they don't carry out God's will in their personal lives. He said, but don't do after their works because they say and do not. You see, that's why James 1.22 says, Be ye a doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He's not saying, yeah, you listen to everything that the religious men have to say. No. You follow, you follow everything. He says, if they're telling you things that are from the word, it's right, it's doctrinal, it's biblical, you do it, but don't you follow them. 
They're not your God. They're not your master. Don't follow them because in their works they say they try to heap all these rules and regulations upon you, but they themselves don't keep them. We saw through COVID, didn't we? We saw a lot of those democratic governors and all, they got exposed. They were, they were heaping mandates upon people, telling everybody, stay home, you can't go here and put your, your mask on. But some of them were out in public in restaurants with no mask on. People got pictures of them, they got busted. And they're the government leaders. They say, but they don't do because they feel that they're above everybody. And that's how the spirit of religion works too. They feel like they're above everybody. And he said, he said, they bind heavy burdens. This is what the scribes and the Pharisees did. They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders. In other words, they're with their rules and their regulations and their religion, all they're doing is weighing people down. They're putting people in bondage with their stupid food laws. They're putting people in bondage with their stupid feast days and, and fast days and I'm a Jew, you're a Jew, and you need to... Uh, no, I ain't no Jew and you ain't no Jew. I'm a born-again child of God filled with the Holy Ghost. I ain't bound by Ten Commandments. I ain't bound by no feast days. I ain't bound by no fast days. I don't go to church on Saturday. I go to church every day of my life because Jesus is my rest. And brother, I need rest at home. I need rest on the job. I need rest out in the world so I don't limit God to one day a week. Some of y'all better quit limiting Him. You only let the Lord move in your life on Sunday. You better let Jesus be Lord every day. If you don't, more than likely you're living under law. You're religious and you think you're pretty good and you judge everybody else according to their looks and say, well, I'm better than he is. I'm better than she is. I don't do what he does. You know, so-and-so's not at church today. I'm here. Hmm. I'm here, see me? They're not here. You got to lose that stuff. You got to lose it. This ain't about who's here or who ain't here. This is about you and your relationship with the Lord. And they, they bind heavy burdens, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They put people in bondage. In other words, look, they don't care about a lost, hurting soul. They don't care about people that are bound by sin. They don't care about some of your backslidden family members. They don't care about people on drugs. They don't care about homeless people. They don't care about people. They're not interested in seeing people set free. All they're interested in is bringing somebody to their method, bringing somebody to their church, bringing somebody to their religion. That's how religion operates. They're not concerned about 
getting people to Jesus and seeing them conformed into His image, they want to bring them to themselves. They put people in bondage. What did Paul say in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1? He said, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you seek to be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. What does that mean? That means if you put yourself under law, if you allow people to teach you stuff that's wrong, if you start following all this Jewish legalistic stuff that's coming to the church, you're leaving Jesus Christ. You're getting your focus off of what He did. And listen, you are heading for bondage. Bondage. And religious people don't care about getting you out of bondage. All some of them want to do is put you in a program. Come on. They want you to go to celebrate recovery. They want you to go to the psychiatrist and to the psychologist. And all that stuff does is keeps people in bondage. But praise God, if you come to Jesus, you can be made free. If you come to the cross, I don't care what kind of bondage you're in. The power of God can break that bondage in your life. He can set you free. And you'll come away saying, look what the Lord has done. The program couldn't do it. The doctor couldn't do it. The church couldn't do it. Dr. Phil couldn't do it. But praise God, Jesus did it. And that's what God wants. We ain't here to bring you to us. We're here to bring you to Jesus. To Jesus. But you see, religious people, they don't care about your struggle. Matter of fact, some of you, you know good and well, there's some people you cannot go to and mention one word about your struggle because you know good and well it'll be nothing but condemnation. And you'll get no help, you'll get no answer. Go to Jesus. You'll get help and you'll get an answer. He said they won't move them with one of their fingers, but he said in verse 5, all their works... Now, listen, think about this. Remember, he's saying this in the presence of everybody. All their works. You know what they do it for? They like to be seen of men. Pride, ego, look who I am. Don't you know what my position is in the church? You know what my title is? I preach, I pray, I sing. I speak in tongues, I shout, I run. I'm spiritual. Let me tell you, none of that stuff makes you spiritual. Speaking in tongues don't mean you're spiritual. Giving a word, giving a word in tongues and it don't make, that don't make you spiritual. That's a result of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is not the measuring stick to hold somebody up and say, wow, you hear the word? Did you see what God did through somebody in the church today? And he will. But remember this, God will use people that's messed up. God will use people that's got problems themselves. If he didn't, none of us would be used. But that that's not how you judge a, a person's spiritual level. It's judged by 
doctrine following the word of God. We, we believe in, in the gifts of the Spirit. I love to see the gifts of the Spirit move in this church. As a matter of fact, it ought to happen more, I believe. Amen. And some of you have to learn to let God use you. You can't let the devil hold stuff over your head. You can't hold back. But at the same time, and you got to remember that, that this is, this, I'm not judged by God. My spiritual level ain't judged because He uses me in a gift. I'm judged by what I understand and believe according to the Word of God. Because you can shout, you can jump, you can speak in tongues, you can be used in the gifts of the Spirit and walk right out that door. Walk right out that door and turn right around and be the nastiest, the ugliest, come on, self-righteous, and better than you. It can happen. Listen, and the reason that these things happen is because we're not where we need to be with Jesus Christ. We're not understanding the doctrine of the message of the cross that brings the change in our heart, not just in here, but out there. And so if we ain't careful, we find ourselves, we, we be used to God and saying things, but we doing contrary, and ain't nobody perfect. There ain't nobody here perfect. Everybody does something wrong at some time, but you don't practice it. You don't practice it on a daily basis. All their works they do to be seen of men. Boy, you're talking about putting somebody on the spot. They do it. He Listen, he's warning the people that are listening to him and he's warning his disciples, his followers. Those that are supposed to be walking close to him. He wants to teach them some things because he knows that when he's gone, they're going to encounter some religious folk. They're going to encounter some opposition from men in synagogues. They're going to encounter opposition from those that are steeped in Judaism and legalism and who will not surrender to the cross of Jesus Christ. And the result will be that they will just become religious despite what they tell everybody. They are not being changed themselves. This is how you can know the true mark of a Christian Somebody who loves the Lord, they're not religious, they're being changed. We're constantly being changed. We're not staying where we've always been. You don't come to church and just do the same old thing over and over. You don't hold the pew down, cross your arms up, sit around and look at everybody else while God is moving. That ain't how the Holy Ghost works. Come on, somebody. That's religion. And see, we get set in our religious ways. Well, I'm going to do this. And I'm, I know, I wonder what time service will be over today. I wonder if he'll get finished at lunchtime. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. See, we're always worried about everything. Don't he know they're calling for bad weather? (laughs) 
I'd, I'd say Jesus probably preached in the rain. He probably preached when he was being attacked. He preached in all kind of conditions, I'm sure. And he didn't let anything stop him. He didn't let the what ifs stop him. I'm not saying I'm Jesus, ain't what I'm saying. But, you know, the church, how many, we often say, I want to be like Jesus, don't we? I wonder how many people really do when it comes down to it. This is the Jesus of the Bible. He said, they do their works to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. The phylactery is believed to have been a little box worn on the wrist of the Jews or maybe on the forehead, I can't imagine, walking around with a piece of paper taped to my head today with Scripture posted on it with Ten Commandments on it. Got it on the head, but you ain't got it in your heart. Come on, somebody. And they they paraded around wearing scriptures and, and you know, they claimed to be commandment keepers. I don't break the law. I'm good. You need to be like me. Look at me. Look at my beautiful robe. Look at my big house. Look at my Rolls Royce. Come on. Look at all the wealth that I've accumulated like some of your preachers on television. And you've never been able to get the car like they have because it don't work for you, but it works for them because they're religious and they're stealing your money. Mm-hmm. I'll get to that in a few minutes. They prey on people. The weak. The weak in the faith. The elderly. Young, old, everybody like They prey on people. Because they, again, they don't care about getting people set free from sin. It's all about them and their stuff. That's not the gospel. Jesus didn't die to make you rich. He died to make you free. <laughs> they make, so they made broad their phylacteries. Not only did they wear them, but they made sure that everybody knew who they were. Like a lot of your preachers today. They love the titles. They love the position. And they love to misuse it. Because they feel as though they're more important than others. Like a man, I told this sometime a while back. I was trying to reach this guy on the internet who was going to some other foreign countries a few years ago or whatever, and I, I knew about it, so I was trying to reach out, send messages, and talk to him because I wanted to ask him some questions about some things because we were considering going to some of the areas, not where he was, but some of those parts of the country. And so I just had a few questions about some things, and he'd already been there. And so I sent him a message, and I said, Hey, brother, I said, could you... Would you mind, could I talk to you? I'd like to ask you a few questions. He sent me a message back and said, don't you call me brother. He said, you call me evangelist. I had to go back and read that again. I said, are you kidding me? Did he really say that? He insisted. So I replied back and said, I'm sorry, brother. 
Something like that. He come back again. Call me evangelist. And after that, I didn't call him anything. You're the wrong person to be asking anybody anything about. You're stupid is what you are. You got an ego. You're puffed up. You think you're somebody because God has maybe used you here and there. And you have allowed the devil to puff you up and you ain't what you think you are. Could you imagine somebody demanding that you call them that? Call, you call me. Could you imagine after church was over, you come up to me and say, Hey, Brother Thomas. And I said, oh, No, don't you call me, brother. You call me pastor. <laughs> see, you see, what this is what religion does to people. It's what pride when when the focus of your faith is not Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. Look, because that is what humbles you. That's what helps to keep you low because you realize, as the song said, I was nothing but a beggar as low as I could be. But ain't it something that I'm now an heir to heaven's royalty? You gave me light. In my darkness, you gave me strength each time I fall. You made something out of nothing at all. And you didn't do it for me to parade around with an egotistical, puffed-up head, thinking I'm better than anybody else because you're my brother, you're my sister. You ain't under my feet. You're eye level. We've all been washed in the blood. So I ain't got no ego. You ain't got to call me pastor. You ain't got to call me anything. I don't care if you call me Thomas. I don't I don't care if you say brother. I don't care if you say pastor. Because I don't care. Because I don't got an ego. They enlarge the borders of their garments. They fancy up their robes. They wear the most beautiful three-piece suits you've ever seen. Some of them do. Carry the biggest Bible you've ever seen. Boy, they look really holy. But their doctrine is wrong. Their spirit ain't right. And if you, Jesus, was warned, he says, you don't follow people like this. You don't. Oh, yeah, if they're telling you things, that's okay to listen to it. But don't you be doing what they do. Because you don't need that attitude. You don't need that spirit. You need to stay humble before the Lord. He said they they love the uppermost rooms at the feast and the chief seats in the synagogues. Position. People, I don't know what it is with people in positions. Whether it's the government, it's the church, it's the world, a deacon board, or somebody say a demon board. Some people just cannot handle the position. And then you have those who appoint themselves to the position. And they're the worst of all. Because they do more damage than anybody. God didn't call some of them. And it's obvious. Yeah, I know people through the internet that scream cross. They ain't got a lick of anointing. They don't have God's power. They don't know what they're talking about. And they think they got some position. They think, you know, and they, they think they can influence people. And yeah, they got a few they can influence, but everybody ain't stupid. 
position. Anybody can get on Facebook, put a phone in front of their face, turn on a live video and say, I know Jesus. Hear what I got to tell you. And be a devil in disguise. And too many of God's sheep are being taken to the slaughter. Just like one I saw the other day. I hadn't seen her in a while. She used to go to this church. She knows who she is. She'll hear me. How do I know? Because she plays peekaboo. She turns on our services to hear what I'm saying because she's looking for anything she can find wrong so she can get on Facebook and try to do to me what she's trying to do to JSM. Slandering Brother Swagger. Slandering all the preachers. They've left the message of the cross. They left it. And I can prove they left it because Brother Donnie is going to preach at an Acts 6 conference with some other preachers in Assembly of God churches and now he's a heretic because he's going to preach the gospel there. He left the cross. Are you kidding me? How stupid have we become? That'd be like saying... Y'all shouldn't go to Africa and preach because those people got messed up beliefs. Huh? That's why we need to go. Hello? And these people, they're religious, they're they're self-righteous. They sift out through the internet looking for anything they can find on somebody so they can get on there and say, you know what he said? And let me tell you what he said. But they don't tell the whole story. They don't give the whole context. And listen, this is the devil does this for purpose because he wants to corrupt your mind. He wants to confuse you about listening to people who are preaching the truth. Brother Swaggart ain't never left the cross. Not as long as I've ever been associated with I ain't never heard Brother Swaggart leave. I've heard him preach it talk about it, explain it all the time. But because they have some ministers in their ministry now who came from outside ministries and they have a little different beliefs maybe in some other areas, but God is using them there. God is helping to show them the truth through Brother Swagger. And these people blast them, say they should not allow them in that church. They shouldn't allow them in the pulpit. They shouldn't allow them to preach. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? Now, I would understand if they got up and they was preaching flat-out false doctrine or something that it really ain't right. Because you got people now that think, they think if you get in the pulpit and you don't say cross, you ain't preaching the cross. If every message you preach ain't about sanctification, you ain't preaching the cross. See, we have turned this into a formula, and now it's become religious, and now we got a bunch of fault-finders who won't let God change them. Don't surprise me because that's all she did when she was here. Fault finding. Sifting through, trying to pick out anything she could. Thank God she left. (laughs) Thank God she left. She hadn't changed. Only gotten worse. When you get away from Jesus, when you get away from that relationship and you go around trying to pick out everything and everybody else, all you do is get further and further away from the Lord. And you become religious and self-righteous. This is the very thing Jesus was warning his disciples about. You can't, you don't want to become self-righteous. 
You don't want to start thinking you're the only one with the truth. You don't want to start thinking you're the only one who knows it. And you can't, you can't, surely can't say, well, because they don't know it and I do know it, they can't come into the assembly. They can't be around us. You see, how are you going to reach people? If you don't get them exposed to the truth. You don't have to compromise with people if they still got wrong beliefs. You don't have to compromise. But they love positions. And said the greetings in the marketplaces and to be called a man rabbi, rabbi. They like to be referenced for their positions. In other, words, in other words, they feed off of you, making them your master. They want you to come to them. Not him. They want you to come to him. Are y'all here this morning? And it says this, But you, Jesus saying to the people, You are not to be called rabbi. You are not to be lifted up as though you're above everybody else because I have appointed you to preach the gospel. You don't allow yourself to let people make a God out of you. You're not the master. I'm the master. You're not Lord, I'm the Lord. You ain't the Holy Ghost, I am the Holy Ghost. You can't change their life, I can change their life. So you don't bring people to you, you bring them to me, God says. He said, for one is your master, one is your master. It ain't Thomas Clamor. It ain't Grace, it ain't Adam, it ain't Melissa, it ain't nobody, it's Jesus. And if I do my job right, I ain't bringing you to me, I'm taking you to Him, praise God. (laughs) You need help from us? You want prayer? Call, we don't care, but at the end I'm going to take you to the Master. When you tell me, I got a problem, I'm going to say, I'm taking you to the master. When you say, they're threatening to fire me, I'm going to say, let's go to Jesus. When they say, I'm I'm, going to lose everything that I have, I'm going to say, let me take you to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord. Woo. Lord, I got to get in a little bit of shape. All that sickness garbage going around and sinuses and stuff in and out. I get back to working out and get two or three days in and all of a sudden something else hitting. Here I go. I'm like, Lord, I got to get back consistent in the gym. I need to be in every week. I feel like I'm in a gym right now. He said, one is your master. But listen to what he said, even Christ. But listen to this last phrase. And all of you are brethren. Mm. He didn't say, some of you submit to him or her, and you do exactly what he says, you do exactly what she says, you go to them, you are all brethren. Everybody's on the same playing field. Now, I'm not diminishing the gifts of God, 
God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the edifying of the body, for the building up of the church, to get people saved, get people corrected, teach people the truth. And I believe that they should be respected. I don't think that you should just treat them like they're trash. I think ministers should be respected. God knows we need some more respect in this world because it's gone out the door. But when you walk through the church doors here, you ought to have some respect for your leaders. You ought to have some respect. But at the same time, we ain't your God. You don't worship us. I don't think I'm better than you. I don't want you to run to me every time you got a problem. I want you to go to the master. Because that's what makes a healthy church. I said it Wednesday night. A bunch of babies can't feed the other babies. We got to grow up. Adults take care of babies. So God's, God has put us together so we can help take care of people spiritually. We can help them to grow in the Lord. We can pray for them. We can steer them in the direction they need to go in. But in the end, it's their choice and you ain't going to be able to make somebody do it. Imagine if God said, I'm going to give you the power to make everybody in your family get saved. <laughs> Woo, be a bunch of making people walking out of here today. But it ain't going to happen like that. People got a choice. We got to give them the choice. And then what we do is I heard Brother Larson say, we give you the gospel, get you to Jesus, then we get out of the way and we let the Holy Ghost have his way. Listen, he said, call no man your father upon the earth. No man. And he's not talking about blood relatives, children referencing their daddy as father. has nothing to do with that. But what, what does uh, the father helps the children. The, fa- the children depend on the father. They go to a father for help, for safety, for protection. So what is he saying? He's saying you don't worship a man You come to your heavenly Father. He loves you. He will protect you. He will provide for you. He will give to you the things you need. Don't start reverencing men in a way that you shouldn't do it. They they don't even do half the stuff they're telling you to do. They can't even do it. So don't worship them and don't start getting caught up in those stupid titles. Because one is your master, your father, which is in heaven. Listen, neither be ye called masters. Brother Swagger said that it means that preachers are not to be called spiritual leaders. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who's supposed to lead us. I ain't the Holy Spirit and you ain't. The Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're born again, you got the same Holy Spirit I got. He ain't different. He's there to lead you, to guide you, to protect you, to, to teach you things, to show you things, to help you on your job, to help you in your decisions. And sometimes you may want to go to a person you know you can trust. But ultimately, you need to lead the decision with God. He's your master. For one, don't, don't call people masters. He said, for one is your master, even Christ. And he who is the greatest among you 
will be your servant. So whoever thinks they're the greatest, you're going to have to learn how to be the most humble. You're going to have to learn how to be the most abased. (laughs) You're going to have to lose the I'm better than you attitude. I've seen this stuff down through the years, and I hate to say it, but I've seen it in Baton Rouge. Not with Brother Swagger, not with Brother Dane, not with the preachers, but with some people in the ministry who will turn their nose up at you because you don't belong to the club. You don't belong in the inner circle. As I witnessed when we were there the last time, walked right by a man that he's on the internet, he's pastor of church in another state. I know him, have had a few words with him over the internet a time or two, nothing, you know, just friendly whatever. And he got invited to go down there sometime, I don't know, a year ago, whenever it was, to be on the program with him. He got to be with Brother Swear, got to talk with him, and that, that was all good. That's a blessing. But when I walked across him when I was leaving the building, I said, said something to him. He just looks at me like he doesn't know me. Didn't want a conversation with me. And I'm just trying to be friendly. Are y'all listening? Are you here? You see, you can't let, you can't let, and I hate it, but, and I've seen it with other people. They get invited to come on the program, to sit on there with a great man of God, to be on worldwide television, and all of a sudden, they flip. They're better than you. You're not as important as they are. Well, Brother Swagger had me on the program. Well, if you, I'm not saying they said, but maybe they think it. If you really preached the cross, maybe you would be. I ain't looking to get on nobody's program. I ain't looking to preach at nobody's church. If God ever gives me the opportunity, I'd be glad to. But I can't let it change who I am. I got to come right. I have to come right back to Athens, Tennessee. Look at all of y'all and say, "Look what the Lord has done," and glorify Jesus, and keep on being your pastor, being your friend as need to be, and doing the same exact thing God has always called me to do. And I can't change because I had an opportunity to be a part of something that's much bigger than what most others is. It happens. I hate to say it, but it does. Not just there. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it happens all in government. Look at the government. Hmm. You hear some of them people making all them promises, they're going to do this and they're going to do that, and then when they get that position, what happens? Foo! They flip. Because everybody can handle position. And that's why I'm convinced that many people have appointed themselves to positions God didn't appoint them to. And that's what's wrong with them. Many people have started churches God never called them to start. And that's why it's hurting people and it's not helping people. It's religion. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he who shall humble himself shall be exalted. Let me get to one of the woes. And I'm just about done. It's only two minutes after 12. Y'all going to live, ain't you? Hamburgers still be there. Might be fresher. 
Sometimes the longer they sit, the better they are. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh-oh. Hypocrite? Jesus is talking to people like that? He sure is, and he's still doing it today. Hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? It's one who acts pretentiously. It's a counterfeit. It's one who assumes, speaks, or acts under a feigned character. Pretending to be something they're not. And look, in their works is where you see it. In their life is where you see it and how they live outside of the doors. Here's where it shows up. Don't be a hypocrite. Come on, somebody. We don't want to be no hypocrite. We want to be the same everywhere we go. We want to be genuine. We want to be children of God. If you can say hello to me in here, you ought to be able to say hello to me at Walmart. If you can say praise the Lord to me here, you ought to be able wherever I run into you or you run into somebody else, you don't turn your nose up. You stay the same because we're all still brethren on the same level. And just because some somebody may have a position don't mean they're better than somebody else. It don't mean they're above somebody else. So you can't let the position get to your head. And I believe God truly puts people in positions and they are called to it, but they let pride get in the way. They let ego come in. And that devil starts causing them to get puffed up. God starts, let's just say it like this, God starts using them. I mean, they see the power move. They see great things happen. And that's when it can be the most dangerous for a preacher is when God does great things and listen and when he does if you truly got the right spirit you'll walk away saying praise the Lord look what the Lord just did I don't know how many times we left Africa and there's other countries Pakistan 98% Muslim countries saying wow can you believe what God just did? It's like it's not even real. It didn't make me any better than anybody else. It doesn't make us better than other people. It just means God is using us. Because, again, the gifts, he puts people in office to use them. But you can't misuse the office. Woe until you scribes, you Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe, woe. You better wake up. Woe. Judgment will come. Woe. You ain't what you think you are. Woe. You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Here's the most, here's the worst sin of all. You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves and neither do you suffer them that are entering to go in. You don't care about lost, hurting souls. You're shutting people out with your stupid religious laws. All you're doing is taking people bringing them to you and your church and your religion and your fasting and your program and you're this and you're that, but you don't care about people being set free from sin. Well, how do you know that? I'll tell you how I know. Because I can turn on television. 
I can turn on the internet and I can listen to somebody preach and know that within a few minutes I can tell and you can tell if they really care about people's souls. Listen, churches that don't give altar calls for people to get saved, they don't care about nobody's soul. I don't care if you agree with it or not. Churches that don't give altar calls for people to come and get saved, to come to be delivered from their sins, they don't care about people's souls. You don't, when you don't appeal to people to come to Jesus when you don't tell them, look, that sin, that bondage, it's going to destroy you. And most preachers, you won't hear them say that. Because they don't really care. They're just religious and they're very happy with a building full of people giving a whole lot of money, carrying on with their programs, carrying on with their religion, carrying on with their Jewish legalism. They don't care about people's souls. I want to say something real quick. You, sister. Yeah, you. I felt like the Lord put it on my heart recently, but I didn't. But I'm going to now. God wants to do something great in your life. He wants to turn some stuff around. The things the devil has tried to use with religion. The Lord wants to bring you out of it. He's, he wants to turn your whole world around. I'm telling you, I've been feeling that. I don't even know you, but I know what the Lord put on my heart. That's what's going to fix a lot of your trouble. That's what's going to fix you. That's what's going to turn your whole life around. Just let Jesus have everything. Let Jesus be the Lord of your life. Let go of the religion. Let go of the stuff people told you that you have to do. Let it go, and you watch what God will do. I'm telling you, church, the Holy Ghost will move in your life. God wants to do something. Y'all ain't here in this church by accident. You ain't here by accident. And I know the Lord, people are searching. People want the truth. People are getting sick and tired of religion. They're getting sick and tired of the preacher saying, now you better fast like I fast. You better do like I do. Look, forget that mess. Get back to Jesus. Swallow your pride. Let go of your ego. Let go of your religion. And let the Holy Ghost have control today. Come on, somebody. And Jesus will handle all your problems. Stand to your feet. Miss Grace, could you come, please? Let Jesus fix it for you. He knows what to do. Whenever you pray, that song says, let him have his holy way, and he'll fix it for you. Praise the Lord. I tell you, I feel the presence of God. I feel the Spirit of God. I want to tell you, if you need something today, Maybe you're in here and maybe you're somebody who's even been coming to church for years and you know the truth, but there's still some religious strongholds, ideas, thoughts in your mind you need to let go of. Today is the day to come and just lay it down and say, Lord, I need a change. I need my mind cleaned out. I need my heart touched and I need you to move in my life. If that's you, I want you to come. If you need something, I want you to take a, make a bold move. These altars are here for people to come and meet with the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to do something in me. I need you to change me. I need you to speak to me. Maybe you're confused about some things you've been listening to and you've been asking God, should I be listening to this? And right now, He's whether it's right or wrong. If you need something, come.
If there's some things you need to let the Lord change today, step out. If there's religion and false ideas, things that you've fallen for and you know now they're not right, today bring them to the Lord and say, Lord, I give this to you. Lord, I surrender this to you. Lord, I lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Praise God. Come on, church. I want everybody to just begin to praise the Lord. God wants to move in this church. He wants to move in your heart today. Let him have his way in Jesus' name. You made something out of nothing at all. My life was aimless and full of empty and wasted lost and full of doubts and fear. Oh, but then you reached down and heard my death. He wants to reach down for somebody today. He wants to reach down for somebody watching through that camera. He wants to reach down to you right where you are. If you open up your heart where you are, he'll touch you. He'll change you. He'll set you free. Surrender yourself right now. Put your hands in the air and let the tears flow. Let the power of God move in your life today. He wants you. He wants you on the straight and narrow. Praise God. Come on, somebody. Praise him, church. Everybody in this building, you ought to be praising God right now. You ought to be thanking God for the blood of Jesus. You've been set free today. You gave me light. Jesus is the light. In my darkness, each time I fall. Jesus lifted us up. Now look at us. Our feet are on the solid rock. You gave me life. times you fall he'll pick you up don't matter how many times you fail he'll pick you up as I told you about that young man yesterday he said I know God is still there I can sense it he said I know he didn't leave me he said I walked away but I know he's there 
I'm going to tell you, if he wasn't, none of us would be here today. Because we've all gone astray. Even after you got saved, you did things you shouldn't have done, but he was there. He didn't walk away from you. He ain't like religious folk. He won't turn his nose up at you. He'll say, you're forgiven. I'll restore you, and I'll change you. Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope you've been blessed today. I didn't get through everything I wanted to, but I'm done. The Holy Ghost has got the point across. Read the rest of the chapter later if you get a chance. And let the Lord speak to you. Tonight at 530, we'll be here. Again, come back, and let's expect God to move tonight. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee, Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee, 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.